I'm very weird about it. I'm very nervous about it as well. But it's yeah. like a yeah, because I, I don't want to go and have someone fuck it up because it's on my body forever. Yeah, or just so have somebody it. fuck it up and do something. Yeah, just have somebody it. fuck it up. Yeah, black it out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, black out tattoos thinking... are sick, man. Hello and welcome to Let the Meat Cake. This will be episode thirty-four. My name is Jack. My co-hosts are John and Ace. Today we are talking to a guest about gun culture again, fascists, anti-fascism, and alt-left subculture. But before that, let's get to some underreported headlines. If you look up any reporting on this topic that I have, it's bad. But I was looking this up, and my mom was here earlier, and she's like, what is BRICS? It's like the G7. She's like, what is the G7? And I was like, okay, why even bother explaining BRICS to somebody? Uh, raise Just say, don't worry about it. It'll be gone soon. Yeah, well, raise, <laughs> raise your hand if you know what BRICS is. If I'm being honest, kind of. I don't know if I have a full understanding. I don't think they have a full understanding of what it is either. That was kind of the main point of the summit that everyone was hoping Putin would be at because it would be funny if he got killed there. If he got murked. Yeah, but they finally had the summit. And for the first time in BRICS history, something happened. They announced that they're expanding and adding in six countries from January 1st, 2024. I think this makes me take them slightly more seriously, but the six countries they picked are wild. It's Argentina, which is like, yeah, cool, whatever. It uh, helps with Brazil down there. But then it's Egypt and Ethiopia. And then Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. Didn't already have a bad enough combo with like India and China. The main thing they talked about was energy though, because of course they did, because Russia wants to capitalize harder on the energy sector because of sanctions and stuff like that. A lot of low-key soft power was sensible with China and Russia. I didn't really listen to anything South Africa had to say though, honestly. Oops. But Lula, uh, very interesting. He opened it because he was the host. And this is just his quote. It says, I think this is a historic moment for humanity in which for the first time countries from the South may use their strength. I think things will evolve and it will now be easier to sit down and talk. Who knows? Maybe the BRICS block will meet with the G7 block to discuss trade, scientific and technological advancement and to discuss democracy, which is like, whoa. Watch out, BRICS is going to be the people defending democracy now. That was a joke for anyone who didn't catch it. <laughs> this expansion meets the expectations of the international community and serves the common interest of emerging markets and developing countries, Xi Jinping said. Xi also said that BRICS countries are all countries with great influence and shoulder important responsibilities for world peace and development. Now, Scott, uh, who was an economist in Afghanistan, who helped hold the country together, he's the only one I've seen like with a decent response to this. Everyone else has kind of been making fun of them, like I have. The BRICS is nothing responses I'm seeing feel very short-sighted. The new countries add more capital as well as more sophistication. With continued geopolitical fragmentation, they also have a reason to work harder to make BRICS more effective. The target right now is East Africa to build up because West Africa already has ECOWAS. And with middle with the Middle East and uh, East Africa right there, you can build like a solid economic section in there. But what was interesting is they opened this to like other countries and all the other countries who came in, like a lot of East African countries were just saying, hey, we need debt relief because... You're all, you're all like uh, killing us with that. I don't know. How do you want to transition to East Africa? Speaking of East Africa, in um, uh, much more grim news, 
So a lot has been going on in Somalia. Let me preface that. So you're going to be hearing about three different events right here within maybe like the last week, maybe even less than that. It was reported on August 25th that the Somali military had captured the town of El Bur in central Somalia. And this town is basically like an Al-Shabaab stronghold. Not long after that, Al-Shabaab conducted attacks on three Somali military bases in the uh, Gagadud region, which is in like the east of the country. Al-Shabaab claimed that they killed 178 Somali soldiers, but they tend to like really exaggerate in their reports. The actual casualty numbers are unclear. However, you can see from footage and images that they captured or destroyed a number of Turkish uh, supplied armored vehicles and guns, as well as uh, Qatari armored vehicles, armored personnel carriers. And so according to this, this uh, like a guy on Facebook named Ali Yare, who um, was the former deputy uh, mayor of Mogadishu, and then he was the former deputy governor of security for the Banadir region of Somalia. He, he made a bunch of statements regarding it, but one of the statements that he made that was kind of like notable to me were that he said a number of Somali soldiers have been captured, you know, taken as prisoners of war or hostages, depending on how you view the conflict. Then the U.S. Africa Command releases a statement yesterday saying on the morning of August 26th, conduct an airstrike uh, about like 45 like kilometers or like 30 miles outside the uh, the Somali port city of Kismayo. And according to the U.S. Africa Command statement, they killed about, about 13 Al-Shabaab soldiers in the airstrike. And it should be noted that they How did say- How many civilians? That that's the, that's the thing. They haven't released the number with that, but they did say in their statement that they are, you know, very um, committed to the protection of and like you know not harming civilians with 13 fighters that's um drone strikes don't normally kill 13 you normally need multiple guided bombs to hit mm. different targets for 13 you could like mm. i mean didn't they drone strike a wedding and and that was real effective just because of how clustered people were yeah maybe yeah who knows maybe they were all like clustered together maybe it was multiple yeah. airstrikes they but... would have to like find them at an important meeting with no yeah. targets around yeah so Something. and it uh, just leads me to believe that 13 is it just said one strike was done not multiple see that's yeah. the thing is as long as as long it doesn't matter if it's like eight planes and they drop a shitload of bombs they'll count it as one strike right Right. It's kind of like important to note that they did say this, that they conducted the strike at like the request of the Somali government. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know if you know more about this, but in like their statement, they keep referring to it as a quote unquote, like collective self-defense airstrike. Does that actually like hold any significance as a term or is that just like... Well, it just reminds me of when the U.S. used white phosphorus on ISIS. It wasn't the U.S. who called it in. It was Golden Division and the SDF. They were doing it on behalf of them. Mm -hmm. the, Somalia just worries me because there's a lot of civilian casualties in a lot of the U.S. Right. strikes. Of course. The thing is, is the, the 178 Somali soldiers, that is, I'm just thinking of like the, the uh, terror list, like that's going to put them significantly keeping the I top. mean, if, if you're inclined, if you're inclined to believe them. <laughs> I'm sure it was a high number. They attacked yeah. like three different bases in yeah. this region, but I don't that's, know. That's like a good point as well. I mean, they killed like but... 200 people in that hotel attack. Yeah. If it is that high, I expect more than just a response that kills 13 fighters. Right, right. There could be more coming in the next like, few days. I don't see how this, this is like, going to upscale. Yeah. Oh, you, know? you want to do the next one? Or do you want to yeah. do Syria? Yeah, you, no, no, no. Go ahead. Do the next one. All right. But you I know there's a Syria. lot here. You put so much yeah. work in. I have a soft spot for Chad, if I'm being honest. But staying within Africa, uh, the Chadian military has uh, begun moving its troops towards its northern border with Libya. 
following a statement made by the FACT rebel group, which is like a really long like French title, like the Front for Change in Concord in Chad, I believe it's called. But they made a statement on August 18th, claiming that on August 16th, the Chadian army had bombed its positions, killing three of their members and wounding four others. A bunch of videos and reports are like emerged showing and saying that Chadian troops were moving toward the northern border with like these large Toyota military convoys, helicopters and like planes that they could use to you know strike them from the air. Uh, other videos that I found interesting, it showed them like moving in columns, like the trucks were moving in columns because there's like a lot of landmines in that northern border area from like the 80s. So I found that to be kind of interesting. But the uh, the main the main yeah but the main rebel groups the Chadina army wants to like confront are the fact and the ccmsr both of which like they're a little different but the main goal of both these groups right is that they want to overthrow the the government of uh mahamat idris debi who's you as you guys may have heard two years ago his father idris debi was killed during an engagement with uh, the fact rebels in 2021 now his dad idris debi ruled the country from 1990 to nine sorry 1990 to 2021 he was and like the, the third oldest ruling dictator yeah he'd been in there for a minute the reason why this is significant is that since the younger debbie the, the son has taken power there's kind of been like the ceasefire in place since 2021 between the fact rebels and other rebel groups and the Chadian military now this this is broken they're like engaging with each other now just a little bit of background so we just kind of know who we're dealing with here the fact was founded in 2016 as a splinter group of another rebel group, but they were founded by this guy named uh, Mahamat Mahdi Ali, who like first got his start in different rebel groups across Chad in 1978 when he was 14 years old. So he was basically like conscripted as a child soldier. The fact rebel group, they also have a lot of involvement in Libya because they were pushed back to the border like multiple times with Libya and they kind of just retreat into Southern Libya anytime like they can't really make anything work in Chad. And they basically kind of been accused of working as like mercenaries for various armed groups in Libya to kind of like gain military experience and like build up funding and stuff like that. And the primary of these groups being the uh, Libyan National Army or LNA headed by Khalifa Haftar, who ironically during the war between Libya and Chad was actually captured by the Chadian army. So that's, that's kind of funny. And this kind of at the time caused a bit of a conflict of interest because supposedly the Libyan National Army was aligned with the Chadian government and the French who backed the government of Chad, it caused a bit of a rift because there was a lot of this belief that he was employing these Chadian, these Chadian rebels as like kind of mercenaries in his army to fight his wars in Southern Libya. There's a UN report from 2019 that was basically published by a panel of like, you know, quote unquote experts on Libya who say that they're involved in a bunch of like illegal trafficking and criminal activities. That's kind of what's going on there. It, it'll be interesting to see if this escalates because the last time it kind of reached a breaking point when the elder Debbie was uh, the president was 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 killed in engagement with the group. They'd actually um, uh, advanced within about like 180 miles, like 300 kilometers of the capital city. So it's clear that they can cover a lot of ground very fast. And from what I can tell, it kind of seems like um, the Chadian military was more so advanced their troops to the border to kind of get the jump on them. So they did, wouldn't have a repeat of what happened two years ago. Yeah, any Chad war seems to be a lot more about like a light maneuverable units and like flanking stuff. For sure. I, one thing that was interesting that like someone I talked to from Chad online did tell me is that he, he said that oftentimes the Chadian military will engage them with only t Toyotas and like guns 
it's it's like a cultural thing if they engage them with like helicopters or planes it's not seen as like a fair fight because they don't have those capabilities i don't know how true that is but it was like an interesting anecdote well it's also just the it's an excuse not to give them air support it's like china says that body armor will sap the fighters fighting spirit all right, we want to talk about Syria too. Anyone who cares enough to actually watch this is actually going to be like grateful that something was actually informative about Chad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the the protests in Syria are getting great coverage um, and we'll like dive into that deeper here. Uh, I don't want to undermine how hard HTS has been giving it to the regime. The strikes I've seen from sources that I have. They get them on camera. Uh, Vehicle-borne IEDs, they've hit them with. You can see the bomb. It's not just little engagements with guns. Like, they have, they've been doing a lot of damage to Assad's forces. And they're pro-Assad forces, not like a... I don't think it's the Syrian army itself, but you know. These, these different militias and stuff. Yeah, these yeah. fucking idiots. What I wanted to ask was a lot of these, like, reports I'm seeing of, like, the tunnel bombs and, like, the uh, mm-hmm. the, the missiles and whatnot, they're saying it's from a group called Ansar al-Tawheed. Probably, the like, that... the HTS remnants, because they're, like, uh, more, like, gay becoming more legitimized and politicalizing. Mm-hmm. So they're probably a splinter from that, I'd assume. Yeah, there's been some interesting reports of, like, groups splintering over, like, mm-hmm. certain leaders or like prisoners being taken by HTS and just a decrease in, I guess, military activity, but it's all interesting. But within the regime held areas of Syria, a lot of like anti-Assad protests have broken out, notably like in Sueda, which is majority Druze by the way. So that kind of puts like a hole in the narrative of the whole, like Assad is the protector of minorities in Syria. I think this is the most important part is that, but I think that before a lot of these people because they were Druze, they know that they, they weren't being targeted the same way the Sunni were, and they just kind of like kept their head down. And right. it's like, not anymore. They're Like, everyone is just done with Assad now. They can't take it anymore. Right, and a lot of it is just like, just a lot of bad economics. I'm sorry, just a lot of like, the economy's getting tough over there, more or less. Like, the Syrian pound is inflated to a ridiculous point. I can't even keep track of this. Economy? At this, at this moment. Is that what you call it? <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a crude word. A lot of people, you know, even in these regime-held areas can't get, like, clean drinking water. A lot of, like, fuel subsidies have been cut, making things harder for people. So, yeah, and other areas where protests broke out were, like, Dara and Aleppo. Now, if any of you know about Dara, it was, like, kind of, like, considered, like, ma- one of the main strongholds where anti-regime protests broke out. It was, like, the first city that broke out in 2011. Yeah. And it was brutal. It obviously, was, it, Aleppo. It, it, it we, was hard to watch. Yeah, the world knows what happens there. According to the Syrian Network for Human Rights, they say that no less than 57 people have been detained by the Assad regime in connection to protests. And I've also seen some like reports, but I can't really confirm them, of regime forces, like reports and videos of regime forces shooting at protesters Mm -hmm. in Dara and Aleppo. But again, I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times they'll shoot like over people. Mm -hmm. They'll do like, it's like suppression tactics and stuff. Right, right, right. Try, Try and scare them. Yeah. But the thing is, is that we would joke saying that anything is better than Assad, right? Like, so the fact that it's like the economy got worse, like Syria's already been the worst country right. for years now. And it's like, how It's like how could it be any worse? It's more or less just reaching a breaking point at this point is the way I see it. That's the thing. It's just like, even that terminology, it's like, it broke long time ago. It's like, beyond, right. it's like such right. a new level of just, it's like, it, I don't know when there's been a time 
like besides like 92 Afghanistan, you know, where shit was like so mm-hmm. broken and unstable, unstable. And even that didn't last long, you know, there was no like regime to be upheld in Afghanistan. So the fact that I've never seen something like this with a government in power where uh, people can get to this point, maybe uh, the French revolution, I guess. Could be. I mean, I hope I, if that's the case, I hope it ends the same. But um, or we all know. Same that uh that Assad has a lot of ties to Iran and I think Jack has something to tell us about Iran right now. So Iran is continuing to enrich its uranium despite warnings and uh international pressure and all that sort of stuff. Uh Iran came out and said that according to its laws that is why it is going to continue enriching uranium. Uh the only thing that we didn't find out is whether they were going to go beyond 60% which is, well, was the limit, I believe, in the Iran nuclear deal. You need 90% for weapons-grade uranium. So there's there's that as well. So if they're going to 60 or above 60 and there's not enough oversight or, I guess, international cooperation with the nuclear agency, I can't remember the name of it, IEAI or AEAE or something like that, the the international commission for nuclear energy and nuclear weapon proliferation i think is basically their job so without that sort of oversight there there's a chance that they could go to 90 percent. i'm pretty sure republicans are probably pretty angry about this trump axing the deal during his presidency definitely doesn't help the situation uh biden is trying his hardest to reinitiate the deal more or less it's in secret if what's being said is going to happen then it's not necessarily the worst thing because rumors say that there are multiple contingencies based on this deal contingencies like iran not using proxies to attack u.s troops in syria and iraq um uh speaking of which uh mm-hmm. let me pull something up about that okay keep going i'll, I'll take me a minute and keep in mind these are all rumors they want to get iran not to sell ballistic missiles to russia not enriching above 60%, as I mentioned before, that's part of, uh, allegedly part of the deal. The proxies, so IRGC and other proxies, I'm assuming, unless that doesn't include the IRGC. Again, they're rumors, so we don't actually know. And this is all in exchange for a relaxation on some of the sanctions, provided that they actually follow the agreement. So this is, I say it's a good thing. I think we should highly consider trying to get Iran on friendly terms. It's not exactly a country you want friendly with Russia, I wouldn't think. Iran's never going to be on good terms with the U.S. The thing is, is like the last nuclear deal, the U.S. didn't just negotiate it. It was like multi-tier. Yeah, there's just been a few things that's going on. Um, Three French soldiers were injured in a raid in Kirkuk. uh, There's reports that a French soldier was kidnapped. And then... Why are French soldiers in Kirkuk? (laughs) What the fuck? don't know probably because of something there's you know nato mission i don't know and then uh nur maliki said u.s forces are mobilizing close to the iraqi syrian border which normally means that they're gonna strike iran if they're on that border interesting and there's been a lot of interest like uh the other day iran told all their proxies to stand down in syria the u.s was doing something there or not syria uh iraq so we don't know if Iran even has the ability to enrich to that level. It's like, yeah. 
it's like very difficult to get beyond a point. They said that they were going to achieve weapons grade uranium. Like, do you remember this, Ace? They said they were going to do it like a year or two ago. Do you remember they were freaking out about that? Yeah, I feel, I mean, if even if you look back, it, it, there's been like reports that Iran yeah. will reach like. There's weapons a Netanyahu speech where he's talking about like the bomb. And I don't know. I don't know exactly what's stopping them. Maybe it's like a technical, like scientific thing, or a lack of availability of uranium. Who knows? But yeah, they've been saying that they'll reach weapons grade for thirty years now. Seems yeah. like. <laughs> and like the reactors that they have were like reactors that came when the Shah was around. When the Shah was around, their nuclear program was like just starting. CL Hawk did it, despite everyone saying he shouldn't, and they were trying to stop him the whole time. I don't understand why you just don't use chemical weapons instead. Who's, you're around. Who's going to stop you? Whether it's a nuke or not, like it's just as bad. Who's going to stop your chemical weapons? The U.S. can't justify a chemical weapon invasion again to their people. If you listen this far, you clearly are a fan. Um, type Gorp in the comments. <laughs> Uh, that way we'll know that you're a real fan. I'm gonna. I'm just stalling right now to make sure people who skip to the end because they see like the the transition mm. phase, they won't hear that they have to type gorp in the comments. So only the only the real fans hear hear the gorp. <laughs> anyway, um, here's a here's a great show with my friend Dustin about trying that in a small town. We have a weapon more powerful than the British Empire. And that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own. Any institution but our own. Hello, my name is Dustin. I am a professional body piercer. I, for a long time, did a lot of firearms instruction, instruction in the state of Rhode Island with the John Brown Gun Club. And now I am just kind of chilling and doing my thing at my new shop up in Maine and taking to the trees. Taking to the trees as in uh, you're kind of withdrawing to the woods like Ted Kaczynski or what? I mean, I wouldn't call it Ted Kaczynski and I definitely wouldn't eliminate the whole uh, community aspect from my approach to how I think we need to be better neighbors to one another. But uh, I think that the particular brand of progressive thinking in a lot of places is getting to a point to where people in those spaces pretty much got this and I, I need to go back to where I kind of started in terms of like being from a rural area and uh, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that while I'm super adaptable to different environments like where I'm really the most comfortable is in a more rural environment and I think also that while it made sense for me to move away from an environment like that to get better at my profession and stuff, I'm kind of past that whole chasing jobs shit. And I think that, uh, you know, having more people with our kind of mindset in these types of environments is better for the overall health of a labor movement or any kind of anything. Cause I was going to say earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, you know, it, being able to have conversations with folks that most other people, I think in a lot of the spheres that I used to hang out with in the cities would probably write a lot of folks off, just assume that they're ignorant or assume that they're not on their side or whatever, you know? Do you find that there are a lot of people up in the Northeast that are receptive to that kind of stuff? Like what, what's the environment sort of North of New York like? Well, north of New York, you've got upstate New York. Uh, that's like 
a series of many cities, uh, most of which are like Rust Belt towns and college towns and stuff. So you've got a whole mix of different types of people versus, you know, you got people from all over the, the world that end up in smaller cities all over the country, like Portland, for instance, where I'm at in Maine now. There's a huge population of Somali immigrants here. You know, so you see a lot of diversity in those places that are sort of looked as the flyover. I think that that's like a big problem too, is like the idea of like the flyover in the middle of nowhere and all those kinds of concepts where we sort of focus on the coastal areas as these like beacons of enlightenment and uh, wokeism and all that shit when like there's like millions of people in the middle of all these places that have always been there. No wonder they voted for Donald Trump because you're all like fucking... <laughs> You live in the like. Why would you ever go there? You know, you know, fucking come around, find out. You know, <laughs> like there's this song that everyone's mad about, the "Try That in a Small Town" song. Oh, I fucking think that song's hilarious. It's so funny. So <laughs> Have you funny. seen the video? Oh yeah, I've seen the video. That <laughs> oh, dude's, oh, so Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean's a fucking idiot. He has no idea about optics, but I don't think he's just like out here trying to like start shit he really uh, people from places like that they don't see contextually what the problem is with what they're saying they just think it's badass they just got this like fucking macho tough guy shit going on you know like i don't think i don't i don't take it as serious and then anybody on the other side of things is trying to like say that this is like some kind of trojan horse for like fascism it's not blatant you think this dude is smart enough to fucking try to indoctrinate people like and then anybody trying to reach harder than that is just like yo you're just like trying to fucking make an make an idiot look more important than he actually is it's all nonsense and, and if you listen to that song and you like country music it fucks Dude, you're just like you're just like yeah, government try to come take my guns. <laughs> what happens on my property? I'm just like yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Raise hell, praise hell. That's really funny because like uh, so many people, whenever stuff like this happens, they try and make it a bigger deal than it is, and then they become more influential as a result. And I find well, that that's, that's what I was gonna say. Problem. I think this is deliberate, right? And so this is a this is something that I thought about the other day. Now. So they just announced that Snow White was going to be black. You know, like, who really cares? But think about this. They made Belle and Beauty and the Beast white. Nobody knows the live-action Beauty and the Beast exists. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is how the market is going to cater to that, knowing that they're going to report on it and make outrage about it. I mean, I don't know. Sure. I mean, I don't see, I mean, I could definitely see that as one angle to it. I think there might be at least one or two writers that are just like, I don't know, probably not white and probably wish that they saw a character that looked like mm -hmm. them at some point and something, you know? So I don't know. I think, I think there's probably a little bit of column A, you know, to what you're saying and probably some more. What was interesting is like, this is the first pride month where it's like, it actually mattered for brand stood. And like, you look at like Bud Light totally caving to pressure and like, just uh dropping and not even talking to dylan mulvaney and we had uh we had the girl who did the infamous like army ad that was like animated that everyone was mad about because she had two moms so <laughs> she had the same thing happen to her when we were talking to her where she was like expecting the army to get have her back but the army just cut all ties and didn't say anything to her and just like dropped her like that that's and like that's what all these brands do when shit goes wrong even with the disney stuff right at the end of the day, they're musicals. Pick someone who can sing. And that's why yeah. I'm, I'm like, because I grew up, like, The Little Mermaid was the first Disney movie that I ever saw, even before um, The Lion King, right? And it's irrelevant to me who the character is, as long as the character is the character and she can sing.
this whole American culture war bullshit is going, I'm just not surprised by anything anymore, really. Mm-hmm. That's, That's pretty it. much where I am as well. It's 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 why I like living where I like living. People just kind of just do whatever they're going to do. And you don't really hear too much about it, <laughs> you know, good, bad or otherwise. It's just everybody's just minding their own fucking business. At the end I of mean, the, the reason the reason it gets to me so much is because Australia is so influenced by American politics and this culture war bullshit that like even with like the drag queen stuff. People are starting to do that here as well. And the funny thing is the drag queens have been a part of Australian culture for decades. Literal decades. Almost probably half a century, right? One of our biggest TV stars is a drag queen. There was this famous Australian movie called Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which was about trans person dealing with people who are transphobic trying to beat them the fuck up. It's a crazy movie made in the 90s. It's wild. And like all of this stuff. And now all of a sudden people care. Nobody ever cared. Why now? It's because American politics bleeds into Australia. I always say this. Australia is just a America light. There's no Australian culture anymore. It's all dead. It's it's really annoying. It's getting to the point where everything is just so desperate. I mean, even movies, everything is a Marvel movie. Like everything is so desperate and trying to milk the last dollars out of everything. I'm excited for a, a 1970s redux of cinema. We're going to get some of the best movies ever made in the next couple of decades. And and with none of the racism. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I like Star Trek, though. And I got super stoked. I heard Futurama has new shit on. Yeah, it's, uh, I've heard it's good. Yeah, Interesting. Interesting, because I was really worried because Futurama is my favorite show. It's, and, right uh, it's definitely top three for me. Very, very nervous about them releasing a new one because I've seen what The Simpsons has done. And it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, the so it's is like... also very ahead of its time. It mm. did a good job at incorporating uh, a lot of ideas and and putting it in a society that would exist that far in the future. Yeah, and also like all the nods to like you know just knowing full well that yeah New York is going to end up underwater, sea level will rise. Oh yeah, there's a, there's like a whole New York on top of a New York. Yeah, Star Trek was, that's definitely laid the foundation for most of Mm -hmm. that stuff, especially the next generation, uh, I think, did most of the the heavy lifting for that kind of conceptual. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, like, better, like, like great examples. Speaking of, like, just progressive shows. I was going to say, progressive before it was cool. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek's very interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize that it's a post-scarcity world. Oh, communists know that. Communists won't shut up about how it's a post-scarcity world. Yeah, and then it's like, it's so, it's such an interesting concept to, to delve into what it would be like post-scarcity. And it's, it's a really, really interesting concept that I don't think many people have really gone into. I've been trying to watch the original Star Trek. It's rough. It's Yo, 40 minutes. Yeah. It's rough. The original <laughs> series is super rough to try to get through. Yeah. But I, th- I think the, the second season or the second generation of it is probably a bit better. So I might jump into that instead of doing the first one. <laughs> it's very rough. I, it's I, one I of those shows where people like recommend you not to like watch certain seasons and stuff. It's like Game of Thrones as well. Game of Thrones, the first season's so rough. It's, it's just, fun. I have things to do. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I don't have time to be watching it. <laughs> like, I've, been, I've been trying to get through a couple TV shows, and I'm just, I don't have time. Like, I used to binge watch TV the shows. The civilization is going to collapse. 
<laughs> we don't have time for TV. No. But seriously, that um, I think there's this huge terminally online aspect of a lot of society today, and uh, it has prevented like exposure between two sections of America that it's just becoming like people are like, oh, it's more polarized. And I don't think it's quite polarized as much as it is like, like, like as soon as you have like a normal conversation with somebody who's like just a normal person, mainly because you're face to face. So you have to tolerate them. Like you already start breaking down a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, definitely the online aspect. I mean, of just, it. I mean, look at in like, look at how much um, union unionization and labor is going on right now. It's good as well. I'm pretty sure there are a couple of um, a couple of uh, industries where uh, pay is outpacing inflation now. I think I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just came back. It just came back um, since the um, you know because it spiked because of COVID. It just came back to like where it's actually going above wages are All now wages are now above inflation. Yeah, huh. on average, there's a there's definitely a statistic where it's like the most labor organization that's gone on in so many certain years. I assume mm-hmm. since like FDR era when we actually I would imagine had, like, so. Yeah, there was like trade unions and stuff. Hell yeah, we love that shit. <laughs> but these the unions help. The unions help the flyover more than anyone, you know? The, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I wanted to get into and transition into is how the unions are helping these people more than anyone. Well, and like, <clears throat> you know, you go back into like things like the coal miners in Appalachia and like, you know, the Battle of Blair Mountain and all kinds of other union busting, you know, anti-cop sentiments going on since back in the olden times. You know, it's really weird to watch similar segments of the country now being all swapped up with this thin blue line bullshit. It's like really... It's like, I thought y'all's favorite movie was Smokey and the Bandit. Now you're over here licking boots. Like, what the fuck happened? It's all that copaganda in film. Dude, they get they can't they can't help it. You know, it used to be used to be come back with a warrant with a pistol on the door. Now it's like a fucking Punisher skull with an American flag. Like, when did this when did it did you are you just doing this to piss off the Black Lives Matter people? Are you just is that why you're doing it? surely that has an aspect to it though, right? Uh, I, oh, I, I mean, I double down on being visibly queer just to piss them off, so that's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I dress twice as gay. I dress twice. That's as gay great. Otherwise, otherwise, oh yeah, absolutely. I'll start just to start shit. I've been doing it since I was a kid, man. That's so good. <laughs> Don't blame shit on shit. Like this system sucks. Having two having two options that are just opposite sides of the same shitty coin. Like get the fuck out of here. There's no way you can make any like real tangible change in the United States using the Democratic or Republican parties. No possible way. You can make tons You're of da- municipal changes though if you just organize locally. Yeah. Well, because nobody else do- is nobody else is doing it. So you basically have an open floor to your platform. Yeah, and I've places. been I've been seeing that a lot in places like in Providence specifically where I was specifically involved for the longest time. I was there for like 7 years. You know, we saw a lot of pro- progressive candidates get elected to city council and stuff like that. So, and it's that one funny story I saw of like this anti-cop anarchist chick got elected to some super conservative area because nobody voted. <laughs> so funny, just complete, complete troll. I, I'm not sure what she did afterwards, but um, everyone was real angry. <laughs> <laughs> I saw another one. It was uh, it was somewhere in New Hampshire on the Libertarian ticket. A trans woman uh, ran, and I think did very well. I'm not sure if they won or not, but I like um, Minnesota, for example, is like 
the key state for a lot of like um like unionization socialism tendencies and stuff and you'd think oh minnesota but like minnesota is the one that like uh and then also wisconsin milwaukee wisconsin has had a ton of socialists come out of there the only socialist who got elected to the house of representatives came out of milwaukee wisconsin there's even a that's a quote even in wayne's world where alice cooper informs them that Milwaukee has had a bunch <laughs> of socialists right. elected. He does too. That's so funny. <laughs> it's not the places it's, you it's think, funny. man. I was about to quote Wayne's World earlier when we were talking about Star Trek Next Generation because they, they compare it to Crystal Pepsi or whatever. It's like, so anyway, it's you look at New York City, because there's like a there's a right-wing cop candidate there, but then you go to like these like, you know, you go to Minnesota and it's like, oh, there's uh there was like i don't know who did it It was probably fallen gong media did it and we were looking at something where they're talking about how minnesota is like a fallen state and it was mainly it starts out with them blaming immigrants i'm pretty sure i don't remember from where yeah, there's some people taking notice that minnesota is like the most socialist state out there news, well, news it's still it's still very under the radar though everyone's like oh call me california well this uh the teamster strike with ups the 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 mm. Teamsters movement really started in uh, Minnesota because it was like the Uber drivers guaranteeing it was like gig economy drivers Teamsters wasn't that, no no wasn't that was Minnesota right yeah that was Minnesota and then the governor yeah, yeah, yeah. the governor also I think he did like a some gun control stuff too which people voted in favor for which is fine if you want to vote in favor for that go for it but don't try that in my town. <laughs> <laughs> Try that in a small town. It's <laughs> funny. Take my gun from my cold dead hands. I know that's right. We don't have we don't have assault rifles in New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just have to you run a ten round steel mag and pin it. Then you just uh, pop the back uh, the back pin off the pivot and then load it with st uh, stripper clips from the top. Still, yeah, still had a mass shooting here not that long ago in Buffalo. So. Yeah, and that kid was from the uh, from fucking Susquehanna River Valley, across the river from where I grew up. Yeah, they they yeah, tried to blame Tucker Carlson for that. Yeah, dude. Every time I see that motherfucker, I, it's like, yo, somebody get real based. It's not gonna be me, but man, just take care of business. <laughs> Shit, he's, I hate it. Like, he's irrelevant now, you know. Yeah. Now, he's, now a, he's, he's a, a has been. He had to go. He had to go crawl up Andrew Tate's ass just because nobody was watching mm. his show. I did say that. Dude, I remember. When's the last time I actually watched that show? It was uh, it was like, oh, I wanted uh Irish dinner, so I went to Cello's on in uh Newport Ave in Pawtucket, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and I sat down at the bar and fucking Tucker Carlson is playing up on the TV. I was like, we got to get out of here. I'm gonna start getting angry. I'm gonna start throwing stuff. <laughs> and I don't understand why he didn't just go do stuff on the Daily Caller. It's literally his outlet, but he he chose to go to Twitter. It, it doesn't money. make sense. Twitter Twitter was like, we'll give you a bunch of money to not mm. get views. <laughs> I, I've never used Twitter before, so I don't know. Good. Uh, you don't want to. Twitter's... It's uh, Yeah, it's it's brain rot. I hear it's great for porn. Man, yeah, Tumblr, they don't get banned. Tumblr, Tumblr was where it was at. Back in the day, yeah. Tumblr... Yeah. Tumblr. You know how not important any of this is to, like, the real world? Yeah, at all. And I mean, the Taliban love it, so... There yeah. is certain things on Twitter that like are super important, mainly how it's like a vessel for terrorism, mostly that. Twitter, Twitter is such a such an, an, anom an anomaly. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw I saw Instagram started this new thing, Threads, and I'm just like, it's just. I didn't I didn't, I didn't I didn't get TikTok, so I'm not getting anything else. It's new. just Twitter. It's just Twitter. Oh. Yeah, it's it's literally just Twitter. It's Twitter without the racism. <laughs> but yeah, we um we refuse to download TikTok, so we. But we need to post because it would be great for growth, but we refuse. I was just talking to Jake about it. I commented on it, and he was like, Mm. "You gotta, you gotta adapt or die, man." Because he's cutting all his documentaries down into one-minute shorts Mm. for TikTok and YouTube. Because gotta make money from the news somehow. Uh, We'll we'll do it eventually once we can pay someone to do it. Because I'm not having TikTok on any of my. You like do it automatically. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. Uh, let's get into John Brown Gun Club and stuff. Sure. Why Why are they so obsessed with purity? Uh, well, honestly, let me just cut in before he answers, because <laughs> uh, I was looking up stuff on John Brown. Turns out the guy was, like, totally against, like, premarital sex. Like, he probably would have been anti-gay if he was around today. Um, yeah, like, he, was, uh, he was definitely a religious fundamentalist. Yeah. So brief history, like there was an organization called Redneck Revolt, Redneck Revolt, blah, 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 bunch of shit happened. That's not a thing. Uh, And then John Brown Gun Club chapters, the TLDR sort of popped up out of that. And then, yeah, some homies started one in Rhode Island back in like the late, like I think 2017 or something, maybe 2016, something like that. I think the, the namesake of John Brown is just uh, specifically like that I did an interview with Providence leftist radio. And I think the, the TLDR on that was basically like uh, there's something admirable about somebody that's uh, you know, convicted to, you know, convicted in what they believe and taking action about it. Um, You know, you're not, you're not just talking about shit. You're being about shit, whatever that shit is. Like you are, you are doing stuff about it. Um, And uh, that's like, what we liked about it is like, you know, people would infight and complain and not get anything done. And we were just go get shit done. You know, you need security. We'll go do security. You need somebody to do stop the bleed training. We'll do the stop the bleed training. You need, you know, you, you need people to carry around or give you an escort to do harm reduction work. We'll do that too. You know, like, I think it's an interesting choice of names in terms of like other possible options you could have picked. But I think in terms of how it ended up that way, it kind of makes sense, uh, at least insofar as, like, I don't know. I think I think a dude that's, like, so anti-racist that he, like, fucking robbed the Harper's Ferry Armory and, like, murked a bunch of slave owners. Like, that's tight. I don't care. I don't care why he did it. That's fucking sweet. He yeah, no, actually, I, I completely <laughs> He didn't actually kill slave owners. That's one of the complicated things that's important to know about him. Because, like, uh, there's this whole question of if he was a terrorist or not. And I'm like, why is it bad if he was? Who cares? But so the thing is, is that he didn't kill slave owners. He killed people who were on the side of slave owners, not people who actually owned uh, people. And then he beheaded, like, two or three people. But then it's like, because of the way the law worked back then, there was no, like, interstate police. So he just was, like, later and, like, bounced. You know, uh, you know, Robert E. Lee kills him, right? I did know that, yeah. yeah. Well, he gets hanged, I think, right? He gets hanged. But yeah, gets but, yeah but Robert A. Lee leads the force against him. Robert E. Lee was one of those ones where there's like some interesting quotes that make him sound like he's not very super stoked to be fighting on the side that he's on. So but, like, uh, you're, you're saying that they, they do uh, like protection stuff? 
Yeah. Is, is so, that like um, a main thing that they do or is it like mostly training? Like what, what's the, what's the whole gist of what they do for people who don't know? I think the most like visible thing that they do and keep them, I'm not a member. I haven't been a member for months and months and months and months. Um, and I have not reached out to or tried to become a member in the new place that I live. Um, if there even is a club, I'm just staying out of the whole thing for now. But, uh, yeah, like one of the things that we would do and they do now is, um, they'll get asked specifically by event organizers to do like, uh, like security on the ground. So that can mean like, depending on the event, one of a number of different things, but you know, sometimes it's teaming up with other orgs to do, you know, street marshal stuff for protests for the women's march. We just had like a perimeter so we could keep an eye on knuckleheads and stuff and make sure nobody messed with anybody for fuck the fourth fest in Providence. Uh, we've done security two years in a row. They did it this year. I organized it last year, especially last year because there was a lot of uh, there were specific like fascist threats towards the event. So yeah, so we uh, we show up and hang out and keep an eye on things and run radios and talk to each other and make sure people don't have to deal with bullshit they don't want to deal with. That's the main thing. And then um, a lot of fundraising for um, uh, harm reduction supplies like safe smoke kits, safe uh, injection kits, drug testing stuff. Uh, hats, blankets, gloves, food, all kinds of stuff. We did like a little hot food and hot drink cart and hand out little backpacks full of supplies to folks out on the street in Kennedy Plaza in Providence. And Okay. So it's so a little bit of mutual aid in there as well. Yeah, I'd say like that's one of the main focuses is mutual aid. It'd be like mutual aid and security or like two of the big things. Their take on uh, community defense is pretty broad and pretty uh, pretty all-encompassing. And the way that the organizers in the Rhode Island chapter sort of view a lot of what they do is that, you know, defending the community is a lot about a lot more than like self-defense. It's about, you know, taking care of people in situations where the state's failing them and making sure that people, you know, are protected from, you know, the elements in the state and addiction and all the other things that they might be, you know, under threat from. So I wanted to talk specifically about threats. I mean, like you said, you're not with them anymore, but just um, I think you have a different perspective than a lot of people out there so i was curious to see how do you feel if uh the threat level how do you feel it's been over the past years is it like increasing or decreasing i'd say honestly if anything from at least the events that i've attended for the most part it's been decreasing um i think that during the uh the george floyd stuff and even before that when the um like around Charlottesville when the Proud Boys were popping up a bunch and stuff, that's when shit was the spiciest. Things got a little weird on some specific events, but nothing that was remarkable or anything. So, but yeah, as far as like the most hopping off kind of stuff, that was more um, like 2020, 2019. I think that the rhetoric that we are seeing and the kind of direct threats that we've seen like on Twitter through specifically NSC 131 and Patriot Front and all these other like above ground fascist organizations that specifically will name us by name, especially just being masked off with like who we sponsor and all that stuff, like with uh, Tactical Girlfriend being like right on their YouTube page and all that stuff. You know, it's definitely got some fingers pointed in that direction, but at the end of the day, like uh, until somebody comes knocking on my door, I'm not really fucking sweating. Quick source here. So this is a uh, right-wing extremist attacks in the West, not just the United States. It's right. This is the one I want. So right here. Yeah. So right here, it's like unite the right. You have your height of like 
these attacks going on clearly gone down over time with the extremism but just compared to how it used to be in like 2013 it's still not at that level you know mm. yeah i'd say that that tracks in terms of uh what i've like seen and specifically experienced mm-hmm. so you mentioned um, patriot front uh, a lot of people call them feds you got a bit more insight there <laughs> Um, no, I don't really have any insight. I'd say that, um, you know, from the like intelligence channels I've seen on signal and things like that, we're definitely in in new England, less worried about those motherfuckers. We are about NSC 131. Can you explain what that is for people? Both groups, please. Um, so NSC 131 is the, um, brainchild of this dude, Chris hood. I can't remember the exact timeline of things, but he was involved in a couple of other fascist organizations i think patriot front may have been one of them they specifically and you can look up the youtube video showed up at my homie alex's uh um bookstore in providence red ink that was all over the news um like 13 of them showed up uh on uh uh they were reading the communist manifesto and sort of like posted it up online that they were doing it so uh, it was a whole mess, but basically a bunch of gigantic Nazis showed up waving flags to a reading of the uh, Communist Manifesto at my friend's bookstore. So that was that was a cool thing that they did and got a bunch of uh, attention for. Um, they ended up, they hung a Keep New Hampshire white flag off of uh, an overpass in New Hampshire and ended up getting brought up on hate charges for it. But for a while, they were like the most like uh, active neo-nazi group in the country like they were popping up at um uh like uh the the uh drag queen story times and all kinds of other stuff just like trying to start shit and uh they post up graffiti all over the place oh man but that dude leo he they found him dead so that's that's tight we celebrated that that guy sucks (laughs) it's always a win Dude, like he was like their number two. Yeah, like I've got some dude, I've got some buddies, like there's this other kid, Liam, that's in them. Like we found like they found out where his mom lives and fucking what car it is, and like they posted his entire neighborhood with flyers, like a Nazi lives in this neighborhood at this address, and uh post like put one of the flyers under the windshield wiper of his mom's car. Was that the yeah. base? What uh, was that, John? The 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 base is part of like he was like he's associated with base proud voice patriot front okay not it doesn't have anything about adam waffen or 09a though mm. but proud boys proud boys tend to be like a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of adam waffen filtered into proud boys because like when um the 09a shit came into adam waffen and they started promoting open pedophilia they're kind of like out with it it's it's that's the best part is that they're coming at drag queen and calling them pedophiles when these guys are constantly being arrested for being pedos and then also like there's even a faction of them that promote it actively yeah gross pretty crazy yeah yeah i shouldn't have said it's the best part (laughs) i mean it is the best part let's be real it's just blatant hypocrisy it's just typical it's it's always funny that so many people try and apologize for these groups and they're like they're not real they're uh, psyops or whatever it happened in australia as well when um was a posy parker i think it was yes they're promoting their anti-trans stuff mm-hmm. and um the the base rejects in australia called the uh, what are they called national socialist network in melbourne 
um, they turned out and people were like, oh, they're not real Nazis because they were in short shorts and had shaved legs. <laughs> Just I, like... I don't think they had shaved legs. I think they can't grow hair on their legs. I think there's a difference. <laughs> but this group, this group that showed up to this like anti-trans event, they tried to, I, they tried to recruit the um, the Christchurch shooter, the mass shooter who shot up the mosques in uh, New Zealand, and that guy told him to fuck off because they were like, he thought they were nobodies, you know, yeah. and like that's all that's left now is like a lot of these nobodies in a lot of these places because like the serious hardcore guys get time, but they only give them like five years at most. So like uh, the founder of Adam Waffen, Brandon Russell, he's out, I think, and then they gave um. John Cameron Denton, I think they gave him five years, and uh, he was uh, he was responsible for like nearly two hundred swattings. <laughs> yeah, they got five years. What yeah, that's appalling. But yeah, I mean, in the so northeast, why... this group is pretty serious for sure. So why why did they pop up in the northeast? What what's so? I think the northeast has that. always had this root of like this is kind of where you had like a the big skinhead movement in America is came from the northeast, especially like in the Boston culture, and that's why they these guys like pissed off the Dropkick Murphys because they like had like keep Boston Irish protests and stuff. So like, yeah. it's, it's just it's a, a re rehash, I think. It's a big, yeah, it's a big thing in, in like, working class sort of, uh, like, punk vibe to, like, kind of sway towards skinhead stuff. But then there's the whole thing with skinhead where it wasn't racist and it was racist. And it was probably what the truth is, is that, like, they weren't trying to be racist, but they were kind of racist anyway without realizing, you know. And then you got, because that's the sharps, and then you got the actual, like, Aryan skinheads, and then there's some crossover. And then there's FSU, and then a bunch of bunch of toxically masculine bullshit in my opinion is kind of what it all fucking boils down to this is the guy i want to talk about uh, these fucking losers yeah so I saw these this are video. popular in the northeast right now this guy he's a here's a here's him right here chris polos and he's he's from texas that he got recruited to come up to the northeast to start like his own like a uh, neo-nazi group but, i just don't believe that there's that many of them that's the thing the leader of the anti-Putin Russian Volunteer Corps is publicly connected to this guy. So these are guys fighting on behalf of Ukraine. These are the insurrectionist groups mm. that we say are like, oh, they're still Nazis, guys. Yeah. They're all and then like the soccer hooligan aspect that links all these guys together is very interesting mm. to me. Yeah, the hooligan culture is very strange. Mainly because why would you want to be called a hooligan? Mm. Like that's not hard at all. That 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 being said, the bare knuckle boxing hooligan scene is fucking gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of watching like Kimbo Slice back in the day on bootleg. Video. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much the vibe of it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, what else did we want to talk about? Because you were talking about um, making a connection between like the body modification community and like. Oh like, yeah, just like uh, I have like kind of a culture shock because. I was so connected with that movement. And then like when I was in Syria, a lot of the people were in like the TQILA stuff. Everyone was very open with that type of thing there, at least who I was with. And then like I came back to America and it's like right when the trans panic height is like kicking off. And uh, it was just so weird to me because I, it was one of these things that I thought was just normal in society for so long. Yeah. I mean, I can think of numerous examples through like uh, just like figures on social media and 
personal friends and everything else. I mean, one of the first like big like people in in punk in the contemporary time for timeline, like within the last 10, 15 years, like was like Laura Jane Grace uh, from uh, Against Me. That was like a big example or like when um, Farrah Flawless, you know, revealed herself to the world as being like formerly one of like biggest body mod people out there. I'm not going to dead name them, but uh, I think there's like an overlap between, between like gender fluidity, queer culture, and body modification. There's like some pretty clear things tied in there in terms of like the level of autonomy and the control you have over the body that you live in, that those concepts are very like, they go hand in hand. So like for somebody that's into heavier body mods and stuff, the idea that somebody would uh, identify as a gender other than what we would societally normally you know, assigned to that person, which isn't really a stretch. So I think that for a lot of us in the community, when we see this stuff going on, when like a bunch of our homies have been coming out this whole time, and it just seems like old news, really. I don't know. It feels like a really bad version of when you used to see those like BuzzFeed articles or be like this shocking new body mod trend. And it's like something that we've been seeing on mod. It's always, it's always the stretched labret, but with like the, the hollow tunnel, you know, yeah, 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 it's yeah, always yeah. the article is that yeah. picture. or, or the guy that or the guy in like the nineties that did the fucking saline injections in his forehead and then did like the little donut hole in the center. And they're just like, people are becoming donut heads. I'm just like, bro, that's like such old news. Like, it's like, I think this like need to sensationalize things that they perceive as like weird or odd or something and like it's just the extension of extension of like cis normative heteronormative culture white culture american culture whatever you want to fucking call it like othering something in order to like i don't know it's very interesting that you bring it up like that because like through indigenous cultures body modification is not unusual I mean, look look at all the cultures that do scarification and that sort of stuff for even like uh, the the tribes in Africa that do the lip disc thing, like all of that stuff. It's not out of it's not out of the ordinary. It's it's but with, within the within the context of colonialism. And I've seen this like firsthand. I remember specifically the instance, the incident. Um, it was very early on in my in piercing, and there was three generations of folks uh, from Sudan. Um, the youngest. Uh, you know, she was born in America. She wanted to get a nostril piercing. So we were just doing a nostril piercing. Mom was there to sign for it. And grandma was hanging out with them. And grandma was adorned with like the beautiful, like, um, concentric circle, um, facial scars with like the little dashes. And, uh, I complimented her on her scars and said that they were beautiful and she hit her face in shame. And then it turns out that like, in these places that are being uh, colonized or, you know, have been colonized for uh, centuries in many cases, it's now like faux pas to practice your indigenous modifications because that's seen as like unsightly and backwards. And, you know, that's old times that we don't, we don't associate anymore. So this woman was taught to be ashamed of her scars her whole fucking life. Yeah. That's so crazy. Cause like I've watched so many documentaries on the, I think it's, indonesia maybe that do the scarification they like have to do something with a crocodile and then they get the the scarification done i'm like this is this is fucking hardcore a lot of a lot of it does like we'll see a lot of scarification happen around puberty type stuff or like you know just not necessarily puberty but just the coming of age uh quest that many have to go on where you know you kill a sacred deer that type of stuff. It's very oh. interesting how common these uh, 
traditions appear throughout cultures that are mm. like throughout the world, like uh, body suspension, for example, the fact that like you have it in India and in the Americas that it's end Sunday. up doing it in a completely different style. Yeah, yeah Sunday, Sunday, tattooing is, like as well. Oh, tattooing yeah. is everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah. It just, uh, scarification is more common depending on how much melanin is in the skin tone in the area. Yes. But like the oldest known body we have is tattooed. Yeah. Like the Iceman has clear tattoos on him. So yeah. it's always existed. And One I think, the... I, I think, and I think the biggest reason is because like humans are inherently curious and we get fucking bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's good that um even some video games that have like tribal aspects bring that into it as well. Um, like I've been playing uh, the Horizon games from on the on the PlayStation, and like their their tribes all have different uh, different tattoos, different piercings. Different. I've seen uh, a lot of scarification coming of into gaming as well. With mm. a lot of like I think Cyberpunk has um some interesting scar. I mean Cyberpunk in general has interesting body modification. But I think that's the last one I remember with like pretty intricate, like actual scarification that you would see in the real world. And that that's also a good way to sort of normalize it with a newer generation as well, to like put it into video games and do it accurately and do it properly. And it doesn't become weird anymore. Like there was that whole pure like purity thing in like the Christian sort of dominated era where it was like, don't tattoo yourself, don't get piercings, don't do any of this. And I think it's almost a, a rebound and a rejection of that right now in that sort of it's becoming more of a thing in the West. Like tattoos aren't really uh, that taboo anymore. Everybody has tattoos, you know, that's personal. Well, but I think, it, I think it's good to an extent, but I think also that a lot of the ritual aspect and the, um, the idea that these are marks to be earned um, is getting lost and it's becoming this like very transactional uh, business model, whether it's tattooing or piercing. And it, it's just, it's becoming so like, it's so far away from like this picture. It's like celebrities having like ear piercing pop-ups and like, you know, now I have like these bougie ladies tipping me like a hundred bucks to put, you know, thousand dollar nose rings in and stuff. It's just like, I don't know, man, like whatever makes you happy, makes you happy and keeps my bills paid. But I feel like this is some weird bastardization of something that's actually really super sacred. And this is why I haven't gotten tattoos yet, because I want to, I've always said I wanted to get to a point where I was happy with myself before I got them kind of as a reward to myself. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I've always seen them as that. Well, and I think too, like with um, at least the contemporary, um, I would say like, I would call it less a trans or non-binary movement. And I would say it's more of just like an awakening that a lot of people are um, like realizing or having, I think a lot of it is just having the dialogue and necessary tools to like talk about these topics and like the normalization of it, where a lot of folks that I think maybe have for a long time not felt super comfortable in their own skins and not really felt why or felt, you know, figured out why. And that's why I think that there's a lot of um, crossover between folks that are like, you know, non-gender conforming and also heavily modified. Yeah. And there's, there's that whole, that whole stereotype that why do they always look like this? They've always got colored hair and lots of tattoos and piercings and all that sort of stuff. And it, it makes sense why they do. 
Yeah. Once, once you actually look into it. And it always has been in one way, shape or form, like, uh, you know, goes hand in hand and is connected with queer culture, like body piercing specifically, if, if it wasn't for Jim Ward and, and, and Doug Malloy and all those dudes out in California doing weird BDSM piercing gay parties, like we wouldn't have a fucking industry. It's like peanut butter and jelly, dude. Like you can't have one without the other. The trendiness of it is uh, very interesting to me because I remember like just being in college and like one of my professors wanted to go get piercings with me. And I was like, she wanted to get, she didn't, cause she was scared to go by herself to not, cause she wanted somebody who knew what they were talking about to help her get a nostril piercing. That's dope. It's not all bad with just like everything just becoming Lady Gaga's nose rings. Yeah. And I think, I think to a particular extent too, it's on the, it's on the, it's all about the vibes of the person doing the thing too. A person can walk into a store not understanding why they're even there to get their nose pierced and I can just smell it on you. I'm just like, so what bullshit are you on today? What's their name and what do they do? You know, like it's just like feeling the urge to get this thing done and not really understanding fully why. And then I can kind of just like navigate them through that process. And like they just participated in a ritual they weren't even aware of and feel better about it. If all the energy and intent is there, I think that people will get more out of it than, than they maybe have bargained for or really understood that they were getting themselves into. But on the other hand, you have people that come in that are just so closed off that just treat this, I don't know, like like as casual as like buying, you know, like, oh, I'm going to have a good nose piercing because I went in and paid this person a whole bunch of money. I'm sorry, sweetie. That's not how this fucking works. You know, like... <laughs> It's cool though. I think I think I have an opportunity to, in the way that I present, open up people's eyes to possibilities that they weren't necessarily aware of, and then from there we can like actually start having fun. And I I don't know. I know I know a bunch of piercers that are really good at that, and a lot of the especially newer folks and like younger cats that I've been talking to like at APP conference and I've been reaching out online for like advice and stuff like that. Man, it's like the first time in a long time with piercing where I'm like, the kids are gonna be all right. You know, <laughs> that's another thing for me as well is I don't just want to go to anybody to get a tattoo. Yeah, because I, I don't want to go and have someone fuck it up because it's on my body forever. Or just so have somebody it. fuck it up and do something. Yeah, just have somebody it. fuck it up. Yeah, black it out, dude. <laughs> dude, black out tattoos thinking, are sick, man. I, I really want a hand tattoo and I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting about hand tattoos to the hands in the face where they're like, oh, that's where you shouldn't get tattooed because you lose mm. a job. You look through uh, archaeology and the mummies that we have, two most tattooed places, hands and face. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something about it. Knuckle tats. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that um, as, as this kind of relates to like all the conversations that we're having, I think a lot of people find themselves in the body modification community for a lot of different reasons. And I've definitely found a lot of people that were in like kind of similar situations to Iowa where I was growing up in a isolated rural environment, engaging in different body play stuff that I wasn't really super aware of in terms of like stretching my ears and piercing myself and stuff. And then that's how we find all these people in isolated places because we have I am and BMEZ and all that stuff. And now flash forward like 20 years and you know, similar folks in similar situations to where they, you know, they grew up shooting and they grew up in like a working class family with a union guy end up in some city. And now you got to 
talk to people in the city about, you know, your mutually shared experiences, but, you know, and then you talk to people that are radicals and people that want to talk about um, self-defense. So I end up being like, well, I know I've known how to shoot since I was five years old. I guess I'll teach you, you know, <laughs> it's like, so and then I end up finding out that in the piercing community, I can name about. Yeah. That's, that, I wanted to interject been, with this is that, um, that was another thing that was like a shock to me is like that there was actually because like it's the most progressive community that I know of and like everyone is like pro gun it seems to me you know yeah and like oh, coming yeah. back to like normal society like working a normal job and like people being afraid of like Europe Europe is crazy talking to Europeans about guns mind-blowing they're terrified of America they think they're gonna die if they come here I mean I mean, I definitely carry an individual first aid kit with hemostatic cause, gauze and chest seals and a cat tourniquet on me at all times. So was it better be safe than sorry? Better to have than not need than need and not have. Exactly. The joke, the joke that I made when uh, I started doing instructor stuff was like, well, I got I got really good at poking holes up close. I just wanted to help people poke them further away or some shit like that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. um, with uh, the instruction stuff that I was doing, I definitely uh, had a lot of folks that, um, like almost uh, all of my students were um, trans people um, or non-binary femme presenting people and lots, just lots of folk, a lot of uh, people of color and things as well. Um, and uh, it was interesting to find how many people were interested in learning that information and how comfortable so many people felt with me teaching them that info. And then just like the remarkable ability to code switch between like gun range stuff and then making sure everybody was like, and that's how I kind of started to realize that a lot of the divisions that are getting shoved down our throats are a bunch of bullshit. Cause I'll, you know, my RSO knows I'm knows who I am, knows what I'm doing is asking people their pronouns now after the third class at the range, you know, and just stuff that they didn't never been presented with, but are completely reasonable, smart people. And as soon as they meet somebody that's nice to them, that they're like, okay, well, I don't want to be mean to that guy. So, or that gal, or, Oh, I guess I'm gonna have to figure this one out, you know, like, but just purely like, it's not like a malicious thing. It's just like, they're ignorant. So there, you gotta have those teaching moments. With it's both. the, it's, it's what actually touching grass means. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is, is the um, just uh, there's some people that just to get too way too terminally online. And then you like look at like the incel culture like that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people who just can't log off the computer in many ways, you know, and it's and uh, then like they eventually get so down far down the rabbit hole that it gets like the incel militant culture, which is like rare, but like uh, just crazy. Because really all that's like, all that person needed was a conversation with somebody a long time ago. And it's like a completely different set of path that they go down. Yeah, it's uh, definitely wild to see how very, very, what would seemingly be like subtle interactions can breed to totally different results, you know? We were talking about cyberpunk earlier, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get into just uh, the separation of mind and body. Okay. And we've been learning that a lot of people inside the conservative space don't believe that there's a separation of mind and body. They like believe in a soul, but they don't like believe in a mind body separation. You know, it's like, uh, you know, how there's people who don't have internal monologues. 
Yeah, I met, I found out one of my friends is like that, and it weirded me out. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Are mind and body separate? I mean, my mind is so affected by my body and vice versa that I, I don't know if they are. Well, it's just that's the whole thing where you get into the identity where your mind is having a different identity than your body reflects. Are we talk? Are we going to end up talking about whether or not you can download your consciousness? No, 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 that's where this comes from. That's where we. Oh, okay. That's I why I said. Say, that's why I said we were talking about cyberpunk. <laughs> we were talking about cyberpunk, but like, no, this is like we actually have a video coming out about this too. That's a little far talking about downloading the consciousness. I think just to be transgender, you would have to have a separation of mind and body like that. I mean, I see that. I see what you're saying. I think that I still think that, at least for me personally, like they do go hand in hand and that while that, but like just as your mind is like malleable in so far as you can choose what stimulus you're taking in, you can choose how you're taking care of yourself. You can choose, you know, mitigate your triggers. You can choose to have therapy for your traumas. You can choose all these things that can help your and mold your mind into being better or whatever, you know, a version of it that you like better. And I think that people that are involved in body modification know just as well that their bodies are malleable as well. And there's a lot of processes, whether it be, you know, piercing, working out, uh, hormones or whatever it takes to get you the body that you want to live in. I, I feel like the mind is like, it, as the mind and the body are equally uh, malleable and that people that take advantage of that malleability are typically the ones that are like, I don't know, to me seem like they're having the most fun. You only get one body, you only get one mind. Like let's make let's 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 make this thing work the best that it can and I don't know. Let's make this work the best that it can. Let's make it one that I can like deal with living in. Bro, I thought I was gonna be dead by twenty five and here I am thirty four. I gotta start taking care of this fucking meat suit, you know? <laughs> like I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Yeah, I mean for for me I I got to like well, I think I was 160 kilos, pretty, pretty big, right? This is like in American pounds or it might be like 340, something like that. So pretty, pretty big, but like super stupid reason. I'm like, fuck this. Right. And it's because I wanted to go on a roller coaster and it didn't fit. So I'm like, I want to go on roller coasters. So I'm going to start losing weight. But yeah, now I've realized. That's not a stupid reason at all, man. That's not a stupid <laughs> reason at all. That's a rock solid reason. Right. So that that was my reason but now i've now i'm in this sort of now i'm down to where i am and i'm realizing it's much harder to do that last little bit it requires a lot more but it's like yeah everybody everybody needs that reason everybody needs to find that reason which is why um i think so many people struggle with it because they're they're searching for that reason that that purpose that uh the point of being and I think that that's, and it kind of ties back into the piercing and the tattling and all of that sort of Maybe stuff. Maybe this well. is all part of it is that you need to have these rituals when you become an adult or you go out. There's, there's, you know how many societies they make you raise a dog? And when you become like, a, normally they're patriarchal societies, but we see it like um, even like uh, Romans, the Roman boys would like raise a dog and when they like turn 16 they would have this ritual where they go way out in the wilderness and they all have to kill their dogs 
and eat them. Maybe not bring that well, part back. I'm just yeah. saying <laughs> there used to be some extreme rituals out there. Well, when I mean, the the Aboriginal culture when uh, that whole transitional period between becoming a uh, like from boy to becoming a man, they make them, they just send them out into the wilderness for a year, and they're like, if you make it back, you're a man. They call it walkabout. Did you see they that just video of... I sent you of the transgender <laughs> aboriginals? Yes, yes, I did. So, like, uh, I don't know if this is something that's exclusive to just this sector because there's so many different aboriginal people in Australia, but these people, it's just this lady talking to them and she's, like, actually listens to them and is respectful. And basically, like, one has a beard, male to female, but they don't even process the body. They see, like, only the inside of somebody. So it doesn't matter what the outside appearance is. They recognize what the pronouns are inside somebody. Mm. And the woman is, like, a lesbian. And, like, she's like, oh, okay. Like, she associates it to that. And it's, like, immediately, like, validates these people who are just, like, just these random people that she's, like, doing a documentary on. You know, in our culture, we respect that person regardless of the look. We don't look on the outside. It's the inside that I you have see. to change. And so then on my the telling yeah. you to shave yeah. is stupid of me. <laughs> I should know that it's not what you look like yeah. outside. Yeah. It's, it's who inside. you are in and how inside. you feel. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Well, I, I apologize. Now I understand. But it's a very nice, heartwarming, like, one-minute clip that, uh, you know, it's rare that you see, like, nice things unless it's, like, puppies or something. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like the, that's um, it. It is almost that. It's it's a very interesting. It's it's definitely changed my perspective a lot. Um, and this was coming back from America, so like, which that being said, should have stayed in America. Coming back was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I got back and COVID hit, right. and I was stuck in this hellscape. So it's like, you know, it's 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 just a very interesting journey and you know you can't force it that's the other thing people try and force this thing on people and they reject it and they go they double down in what they're already doing um and that's something that i've realized you can't change people you can't force it yeah and i think that uh conservatism in general will kind of it always goes hand to hand with either like maintaining the status quo or idealizing some previous oftentimes untrue but fabled golden era that they're trying to emulate versus like i don't know the rest of us that recognize that human beings in the world are constantly changing and dynamic and that new shit pops up all the time and uh you know <laughs> You're either like, okay, stuff's going to change, just like it always is. Let's see mm -hmm. what new exciting thing is around the next corner. Or you have people that, like, you know, are like right-wing extremists. Yeah. And <laughs> terrorism about it. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, as John said, adapt or die. <laughs> yeah, oh, only in a figurative way, because then you get <laughs> eugenics and shit, you know? Uh, the gay agenda is real. We're here to convert you by force. <laughs> Playful at New Vegas. That's one of the things that they're pushing right now is that you're going to be made to be gay. You better get you better get with it. You better get with it. <laughs> you wait till I see you, John. The uh, Demolition Man. They don't even have sex anymore. You, you, ever, mm. you ever like what a weird movie and 
Like Such that's a never movie. gonna happen. Like what a, <laughs> what a dumb concept. And so then Sylvester Stallone is the first man to have sex in like hundreds of years, I guess, in Demolition Man. <laughs> I guess what the movie's about. That's weird to me, man. It's very weird. No, Wesley Wesley Snipes looks fucking jacked in that movie. He does. <laughs> the first he time is, I watched it, is. I didn't even realize it was Wesley Snipes. You think Wesley Snipes <laughs> has sex in that movie, or you think he does the VR sex? I mean, I mean. Huh. Would you put your brain in a robot tiger bot? It's making me think of that uh, that one creature dude from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where it was like the big buff guy with the like, brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was cool. Well, I wonder what his story was. I, I assume he was just Meatwad. He looks very Meatwad. Yeah, you're right. He gives Meatwad as fuck. The, the thing he got in was a robot, right? It wasn't just like a man, right? It wasn't like a living creature he got inside, I'm not right? Sure, I'm not sure what level of uh, android versus uh, automaton uh, that 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 um, that suit is. I'm not 100%. I mean, bring, bring back the Futurama. Fucking heads and jaws. Heads and you know, jaws. Would you, would you rather die or live as a head in a jar? See, I, see <laughs> I, I think a head in a jar is way more practical than a brain in a jar. Yeah. I'd yeah. rather be dead. Yeah. yeah, me too. You know, there's that doctor who wants to do the head transplant, but he's like a quack. <laughs> Aren't they always? Oh, shocking. He's in I Russia, so. of course. Of course. <laughs> but like, so, like somebody volunteered for the procedure or something, but like basically they were going to die. And so the idea was that he would like take a dead corpse and then put a live head onto it. No, thanks. There's no way you can, like, reroute a spinal cord and shit, you know? There's no way the body wouldn't still decay. Yeah, I, well, I think that's the issue, and that's why nobody is doing head transplants except one yeah. crazy guy in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Well, they gotta, just, they, gotta do it, they gotta do it fresh. They gotta, they gotta lop the one head off while it's still alive and then put your head on it while it's no, still alive. You're, you're on the money. It's, it's really is like that. Yeah, you got it. You got to like keep like a brain dead body alive for the head transplant. I think. Yeah, you just got to plug up. You got to plug up the top. Make sure it doesn't squirt out. You know. (laughs) Got to keep the blood circulating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Make sure it doesn't 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 squirt out the fucking nub. (laughs) Fucking crazy concepts. This is why I like like movies and shit because like all these wild concepts that you can just turn into fictional stories. I don't know At why the end of the day, we're all brains in jars. Yeah, meat jars. Bro, bro. 